love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Happy New Year and welcome to the Iron Women podcast. I'm Alyssa Gadeski and I'm here with my co-host Haley Chura. And Haley, how are you? Happy New Year's. How was your holidays? I feel like it's been so long. We never go this long without talking. I know. I have enjoyed our break, but I did miss speaking with you. I enjoyed just the like disruption and routine, which I know sounds ridiculous to like, because I am a very routine driven person, but sometimes it's good to disrupt it. And, um, part of that was, was not doing our regular podcasting, but we're back. And part of that was changing up training schedules, mostly because I had to, because the pool was closed the last couple of Fridays <laughs> and Friday swimming is some of my favorite swimming. So I had to like adjust to Thursday swimming, which, oh my goodness, what a change. <laughs> I live on the edge, but, um, we had a lot of snow here in Bozeman the last couple of weeks. Um, my parents were here and then they left. And then my friends, Aaron and Ethan came into town to ski. And, um, my friend Aaron was one of my best training partners. Uh, they, she moved to go to physical therapy school in Australia, but the, she's back in the U S um, crazy, you know, wild ride coming from Australia to the U.S., as many of our guests have pointed out that we've, we've spoken to over the last couple of months. Um, international travel, not the easiest these days, but it's been fun having them in town. I don't join them on any of their skiing, but I'm like, they go skiing and I ride the trainer and then we trade stories afterwards, which is, you know, just as good as riding with someone or skiing with someone, I imagine. I don't know. But how have you been? How was your break? Haley, I'm good. My break has been good, but I'm so jealous of your snow because I have been on the trainer myself, but looking outside to like freezing cold rain and like sleet and like just above freezing temperatures. So everything's just cold rain and our snow is like basically washed away at this point. We have gotten nothing substantial during the holiday season. And I'm so sad because all I want is like some snow to try out my winter toys. I was complaining about this a month ago when we stopped recording and then uh, took a little break and I'm still complaining about it. And I'll continue to complain about it because it's our podcast and we can complain about what we want on here. <laughs> but Haley, apparently the Northeast does not like La Nina weather. This is the latest excuse one of my friends has given me lately is that La Nina is like the weather pattern of the year. And it's like, the, the Northeast doesn't get good snow during years of La Nina. So that's like not what I wanted to hear at all. And oh. I'm still keeping my fingers crossed and it's just been, um, it has been cold. It has been cold, but it's also been really warm, um, at times, which is weird. And, but anyway, so that's what's going on in the weather in the Northeast. That's your current weather report <laughs> for the holidays though. The holidays were really fun. I did get to go to Maryland to see my family. Um, that was great. A nice little, quiet Christmas. Um, it usually is no matter what, even without a pandemic, we don't have a super big family. So that was easy decisions to make in a time when we were trying to keep things small anyway. And then, uh, new year's Matt and I stayed home. We, we did cancel our dinner reservations because, um, the New Hampshire rates are with COVID are pretty good, but not like super good. And we weren't super psyched to be going to this place. It wasn't like a restaurant we've been dying to go to or anything. So we just, stayed home. We made, um, I think like burger bowls or something out of like run fast, eat slow or something. It was a wild, wild new year's Eve here. <laughs> we did a puzzle. 
I had nachos. They were so good. Ooh, oh, I Aaron made them. I, Aaron, I, so I didn't do much. Oh, I shred the cheese. I did. I shred <laughs> so much cheese. And then, um, but we watched the University of Georgia football game. They played Michigan and Alyssa, I did. So I put like a picture. I put, I hung my Georgia flag out against HOA rules because I'm like, I mean, how often are you in a playoff game? Um, actually, you can't hang a flag like a college flag that's against HOA rules. I don't. I think you're only allowed to hang an American flag. But Whoa. one of the place, what this woman who's like who lives down the street, who's um, probably close to ninety, she hangs out a flag that's like Happy Spring, and no one gives her any. <laughs> so I was like, I'm gonna try it. I put the Georgia flag out just for like 24 hours. No, I don't. I think it's pretty. I just, you know, I'm a rule follower. So I, um, I did put it out there and I posted it on my Instagram story, and I had so many people comment, "Go blue for Michigan." And I was like, No, oh. no, people, no. So I actually got like extra competitive for this, and oh man, I, I. I watched a lot of Georgia football while I was in college. I went to a lot of games. Um, Post-college, you know, my Saturdays have been a little bit more taken with um, triathlon. But I, you know, I I will always be so thankful for my time at the University of Georgia. It's one reason I love interviewing people from the University of Georgia. And, you know, we did ask Rachel Zelinskis, like, just before the break, if the University of Georgia was going to win the national championship. And so at least we did crush Michigan, and we are going to be in the national championship um January 10th so you know by next week I will have hopefully hopefully be in a really good mood otherwise when we record next oh wait but we're gonna oh we might record before the game and then it will come out on Thursday so maybe people will hear about this for the next two weeks <laughs> I'm like oh I goodness admit, my timing when, here Monday night football what Georgia. in the world Whenever I see Georgia playing football on TV, I'm, I do get excited for you. Um, you know, I don't have like particular skin in the game for uh, Navy or um, UVA. UVA's bowl game even was canceled this year. So, um, you know, Navy, I can always get into like go Navy beat Army, of course. But, um, you know, Matt really likes Ohio State. So I've become like a armchair fan. I don't know. Is that what you would call it? The armchair Cotton Bowl was Ohio good, State, right? Yeah. That's what I heard. That was good. Yeah. Did they win that? They won. Yeah, barely. The most, versus Utah. Yeah, yeah. That was like last night, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, that was like the big game. So the close one. That It's fun to get into it when like your friends are into it. So I am a Georgia fan because of you, Haley, yes. I have to say. And so I'll, I'll cheer for them. I can do it. Who were they playing in the national championship? Did you say this? Alabama. It's like a repeat oh, of the SEC championship. Tide, huh? Which was, no, don't say that. Well, um, <laughs> if anyone comments on my Instagram, roll tide, I will block you. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> you've heard it you've been warned but um no I think uh it's a repeat of the SEC championships also a repeat of the like what was it 28 2017 um national championship when Alabama beat us I think we've like never beat Alabama or not since like I have um been a fan and I will admit like you know I don't know really that much even though I've been to a lot of football games definitely don't know always what's going on I don't know any of the players really I'm not the best fan but and I'm really missing one of my really good friends Steph she really understood football really well and she used to come over and explain it to me and she moved and I'm like (laughs) I miss her for a lot of reasons but I really miss when she'd be like oh here's what happened I was like thank you (laughs) <laughs> but um I yeah I, I can't say I'm like a diehard football fan but I am a diehard Georgia athletics fan so you know I'm going to cheer when we are on a big stage 
Well, Haley, one of the other things I did over the last couple of weeks was I got a lot of things accomplished. And one of those was getting my inside tracker blood draw. I just needed kind of a routine three month outlook on things. Um, and most like most notably wanted to check my vitamin D and ferritin because that's what I've been trying to work on this year. And it was looking really good in September, Haley. And I have to say my results came very quickly and I was glad they came so quickly because I need to do a better job of working on my vitamin, vitamin really? D and ferritin. Yeah. They were like, de- definitely not like tragically low, but way lower than I would want. Definitely into the like caution zone that they give you. And Um, I admit fully, I had been like slacking on the supplement, but you know how, like when you supplement things and you're like, okay, surely my body like doesn't need the supplements anymore. Right. So I'll just like stop for a bit. And as someone who doesn't usually do a lot of supplements, it's like, it feels weird to think like you need to do this for like the rest of time. Right. To keep your levels up that Right. It's like weird to think that. So well, maybe while you're exercising and living in the certain, living in your certain environment, exercising as much as you are, I'm sure if your life changed drastically, your supplement needs might change. But yeah, maybe maybe. inside track, I could tell you, (laughs) (laughs) but for now it was, it was really, really good for me to, um, I had been like, just not feeling like as great as I have been since, you know, two weeks of doing supplements again, I'm feeling like really, really good. So who knows, but it was a good mental, like check-in and I needed it. Right. Um, and, but it was Haley, it was poor timing. So I was trying to fit in like 18 million thousand things in those like days before traveling home for the holidays. And one of those was my COVID booster and the other was my inside tracker blood draw. And I, I mean, you're at the mercy of like various scheduling things for each of those. And it ended up that my COVID blood or booster was given about 12 hours before my inside tracker blood draw, which I knew was not going to be ideal. But again, I was mainly doing this because those two vitamin D and ferritin have been like the markers I'm really trying to watch and just like get tabs on. And if I could have like even just kind of handpicked to just have those tested knowing I was getting the booster ahead of time, I probably would have done that, but I knew it would be the whole shebang, which is, which is okay. And I at least can say Haley that I, um, I was reassured that I did in fact not get like some kind of a placebo when I got my COVID booster because my white blood cells were clearly working in the 12 hours um, after getting the booster uh, as per my inside tracker results. So that was, luckily I knew going into it, like heads up, that's probably going to be a little off. So when I got the semi-urgent email from inside tracker that was like, some things are pretty off and you should definitely talk to a doctor. Um, I knew that that was what it was and my doctor confirmed that. So just something to keep in mind for other people managing all of those things that we need to be uh, fitting in and probably don't be quite like me and try and do it that closely. Yeah, that's, that's so interesting because I got my COVID booster last week and how'd you feel afterwards, by the way? So, Oh, this is actually interesting too. So I, I felt okay. I will say I did take ibuprofen from like basically the hour I got the shot, which I've heard now people, you shouldn't do, I don't know. I did it. And again, I confirmed that my immunity was working hard against it. So I don't think the ibuprofen (laughs) hurt my booster like efficacy or anything. Um, so between the ibuprofen and I used Zelios race relief on my shot injection site and Haley, my arm was not sore at all. So for the first time in my three shots, my arm was not sore. Okay. So that was pretty magical. I have to say. And then I felt okay. I would put myself at like a, a five out of 10 the next day. I didn't miss any workouts. 
I did take a nap, which I normally don't nap. And I felt like pretty awful for an hour going into that nap, but then I came out of the nap. Okay. So I don't know. It wasn't, wasn't the best of days, but it wasn't the worst of days. I had a sore arm. That was, you know, most of it was, I had a sore arm. I, um, I did not get up and go swimming the next day. Cause I was, I mean, maybe it would have felt good. I think I could have done an easy swim, but I was like, eh, I, I mean, I could barely lift my arm over my head. I didn't oh, try, yeah. try the race, the race relief. Yeah. I didn't think next, of I mean, that. We're going to be getting another booster, I'm sure. So next time everyone definitely try it. That was a good little tidbit. But another thing I, what I will say one day I did, I, I ordered an inside tracker test. I haven't scheduled it. I haven't done it yet. I actually ordered it the day after the booster and I was, I was like, oh, I can't do this for, you know, I didn't want to do it too close to the booster and I haven't done this yet. You know, it's just, I'm not good at scheduling things. I will admit, but you know, I decided to set a new year's resolution on December 30th that I have not quite followed through with, but I'm going to, I mean, it's, um, it's a little hard here in Montana because I don't think I can literally schedule it online, but I think there is a walk-in clinic that I can go to. So um, I'm, I'm excited to, to try this kind of, I'm at the, you know, base building part of the season, um, kind of building into 2022. And so I was like, you know what, this probably is a good time to just kind of see what's happening. I haven't had my blood drawn in a very long time. And I'm someone who like, I feel like I know my body pretty well. And most of the time I know I probably need more sleep and I probably need more iron and I probably need more vitamin D. Like I'm like, <laughs> but we're going to see, maybe I'll find something, something, uh, surprising. So stay tuned, you know, new me 2022, taking care of myself even better than before, maybe. <laughs> and we're super pumped. Inside Tracker is joining us as a sponsor for 2022 again, which we are very excited about. So head to insidetracker.com forward slash ironwomen. You can sign up for 25% off your first time through Inside Tracker, which is an amazing deal. Definitely recommend like the whole shebang for your first time to get the the full read on where you are. And then um, then later on through the year, you can become more like me and fall off the wagon a little bit and, and do just the, the essentials and poorly timed at that. But um, it's so good to start the new year knowing where you're at. So I mean, Haley, I'm super excited to see to I know. get your insights. Do you make any changes other than supplementation? Like, do you change your diet or like any, do you like go sit in the sun? I guess you said it was all rainy. So that's probably hard this time of year. What do you, yeah, they, do you give, um, they, they definitely do a good job of, you can use it as much or as little as you want. Um, you know, they give you a very like easy to use kind of, uh, suggestions, I guess, of just like, you know, this is low, you can try eating X, Y, and Z and things like that. And so I definitely read those suggestions and keep that in mind. I do like the meal planning and the grocery shopping in the house. So I definitely have like added in certain things like when it's like, oh, salmon would be good for this. I'm like, oh, maybe we'll have salmon on the menu this week, that kind of thing. Um, That's not, I would will say because nothing has been like super, you know, vitamin D and ferritin, I feel like are such easy supplementation to things too, that it's, that's kind of a good go-to for me to do that. But there are, they do give the recommendations to not have to supplement as well. To do, do you that. time your supplementation like around workouts? And like, I know with, no, I, is it with way iron? too much work. Oh, way okay. Work. Well, I just I'm sure there like... are people, I'm sure there's people listening who are going to be like, certified in knowing all of the ins and outs that are going to be like, you should definitely like, don't have it around dairy and not next to the magnesium in your noon rest and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know what? 
good enough is sometimes good enough, right? Do you drink so orange the fact juice that I with remember, your steak, right? Like the fact I that I remember orange juice. To, I'll do that. Do you? Oh, I would. <laughs> yeah, I was totally doing that. Like I drink orange juice with my steak. You know, I don't drink milk like with a steak normally. <laughs> Yeah. But you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to like, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, you know, I'm trying. So, um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I was just curious. Maybe I should have, but you know, again, I think the reason my levels have dropped is because I literally have fallen off the wagon of like keeping up myself up with like good supplementation habits. And so the, if I remember to do things like, you know, three or four times a week, I feel like I'm winning. And that's like as much as I can handle in my life right now. Maybe there will be a time when I like prioritize it more, but I think that's good for people to know. Like you don't have to be perfect about it if, as you make changes and you do things like that. Um, little bits, little yeah. baby steps. I, I like, I am a fan of resolutions. I know that's like a controversial thing and I don't set them all on the first. Like I said, I set one on the 30th that I haven't followed through yet, but with, but like, and then if I think of it on like the eighth, I would like be like, Oh, that'd be a good one. I'm going to try to change that. I think maybe vacuuming more. I could definitely, cowboy has a lot of hair. So do I like between the two of us, <laughs> but, um, you know, there's, I like little ones that I can like definitely accomplish, but will make my life a little bit better. And then I like big ones. So I'm still working on it. It's only early in the year. So, but, um, do we have any mailbags? Should we just ask people, send us your resolutions? Yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> Uh, a good resolution for our listeners will be to give us a mailbag question a month or something like that. Um, because our mailbag is empty coming into 2022. So mm -hmm. we'd like to change that. So send in your questions, resolutions, anything you want to tell us in the new year, um, to ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com, ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. And Haley, our guest this week, I think is a great person for us all to be hearing from as we enter the new year and maybe think about resolutions we may or may not officially set, but just maybe you want to make some small changes as we move forward in our lives as humans. And we are talking to Finn Vanderar. And Finn is a marine scientist. She's an author and a foodie. She's passionate about the environment, low impact travel, and how to help people live more sustainably. So we talked to Finn about all of the above and especially our view of these things as athletes. And of course, that means we got some of her insight about cold water swimming, Ironman cork tips, um, because she is in Ireland, spoiler alert, and what to do if you head across the pond to race that. So a lot of good stuff in this interview. It was really fun to talk to Finn, and we're excited to have her here for you next. Haley, have you ever been jealous of the elite running or cycling groups who are able to get their blood work done super quickly and efficiently because they have a doctor on staff? Yes, I have been jealous. I have a great primary care physician, but I'll admit, sometimes I'm curious about certain blood markers in between my annual doctor visits. Me too, and that's why I'm excited Inside Tracker is here. Inside Tracker is on-demand blood testing. You pick your plan online, schedule your blood draw appointment locally, and get your results within a few days. My favorite part, they don't just give you data, they provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips too. For a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our listeners 25% off of their entire store. Just go to insidetracker.com slash ironwomen and get started. Hi, Finn. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Stoked. So we are really excited to kick off 2022 with you as we think your expertise in climate change, marine science, and sustainability are great topics to be front of mind for all of us in the new year. Can you tell your our tell our listeners a little bit about kind of who you are and what it means to be a marine scientist, specifically maybe a marine scientist in Ireland? Yeah, for sure. So I'm um, hi. 
so nice to chat to you today. Um, so yeah, so I work um, kind of in a couple of different ways. So my like on the ground job is I work as a marine mammal observer, which is not a fun one to say 10 times fast. Um, but that means um, literally if there's like marine construction and stuff, it's my job to make sure that all the marine mammals, the whales, dolphins and seals in the area aren't negatively affected. Um, and that's kind of my, you know, quote unquote, real scientist job. And then on the other side of that, I have uh, so social media and website saltwater stories. And that's kind of where I like to do more um, general kind of climate change related stuff or, or kind of sharing about my work in marine science, but like in a way where anyone can understand it and maybe get involved as opposed to being a scientist specifically themselves. And then I guess in terms of being in Ireland, what does that mean? Um, I already had to chat to you, obviously, before we started recording about the fact that we're in the middle of a storm right now. So it's pretty wet, windy, pretty wild. Um, so we're usually wearing some kind of uh, waterproof gear all year round. Um, it's lots of standing on a pier in crazy um, hailstorms, but it's uh, totally worth it. Um, yeah, and then I guess, um, so very different than if you would say you see someone who works in marine science in like Antarctica, where they're always dealing with snow or um, obviously everyone's dream marine science job, you know, working somewhere like the Florida Keys or the Caribbean or something like that. And so we love this, that you have this kind of, I guess, non-traditional career. You're not sitting in an office. You're not necessarily, it's not something that people even realize is like a job. And, and so we are someone that or we're not someone, we're a podcast that really likes to celebrate like taking your own path and doing a wide range of things and which you've done. I believe in the past you owned a bakery, now you're a <laughs> yeah. marine scientist. So how, like, how do you, I mean, when you look at the arc of your career, can you just give us a little background on that? Like how you got into marine science and also like, how did you, how did you know to make that leap? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's an awesome question. So I guess um, when I did, uh, like when I was in secondary school, so high school for you guys, um, we used to do all those kind of like aptitude tests and stuff, which I don't know about you, they always gave like totally bizarre results. I think I did one and it told me I should be a vicar or a bricklayer. And I'm not sure what I answered in there to get that combination. But um, I think before I was heading off to college, I kind of it's a little bit cheeky. I know this is not how people should decide their lives, but basically I knew I wanted to be in a college near a good surf break. So, uh, and then kind of with that, um, knew I maybe wanted to study something where um, where I could spend a lot of time outdoors and, and maybe also still kind of work with my hands. So um, my undergrad was like geology and oceanography mixed, which I loved. So um, we did loads of field research. We do time at sea. And then I was working um, as an aquarist in an aquarium when I was in college. So that was kind of fish, water and rocks all together. Um, but I hadn't actually done any biology in college, really, except for a little bit in first year. So um, that working with those animals, because it, it, they also had lots of rehab and stuff like that in the aquarium, like animals that would be rescued, that would re rehab and then put them back out in the ocean. That's when I went on. I studied marine science after that. So I've always kind of had a wiggly route and then the bakery that you mentioned um that was a funny segue um at, when I was working at sea on a research ship um it was maybe like a year or two after I was diagnosed as a celiac and it's so I have to eat gluten-free 
And um, it's just so funny. Like now it's pretty easy to eat gluten-free. I think everybody knows what it is. And, you know, you can go to a restaurant. There's loads of stuff you can eat. But at the time, the thought of like putting your life and your diet in somebody's hands for like six weeks to two months and being like, I really hope they don't kill me while I'm at sea was like really nerve wracking. So I had started a blog, I think at the time, just talking about kind of trying to do be fit and healthy, but also maybe if you were working at sea or you work night shift, like nurses, something like that, how could you still eat healthy or still eat gluten-free if you had to? So that's kind of how the food and the marine science evolved at the same time. They're obviously not very complimentary jobs. Um, so I ended up getting a cookbook deal for a gluten-free health cookbook. And that's kind of how they've continued on, I guess, at the same time. I definitely do more kind of climate and marine stuff now, but I would have a couple of years ago, obviously, things like Open the Bakery and the cookbook and stuff like that. That is cool how they work together. I didn't expect that in part, as part of the answer. Sorry, I realize also in my Irish accent, I probably talk like 100 miles a minute. <laughs> oh, no, you're fine. You're fine. I talk fast too. But um I, I like how these work together. You know, you figured out how the bakery and marine science could work together and how they, you know, benefit your health, but obviously help other people as well with the cookbook. Do you have any advice for, for people who, who want to follow a non-traditional career? I mean, looking back on, on yours, like, do you have advice for, you know, how you make these kind of things work? Oh, for sure. I wish the one piece of advice that maybe I could have got would have been, as opposed to thinking like, okay, what's your ideal you where you're like okay be really cool if I was a lawyer or a doctor or something like think about what you actually enjoy in your day-to-day that could be a career so like I feel like I got it right at the start where I was like okay I know I want to be outside and I know that it maybe you know I'd like to work with animals and then when I went and I opened the bakery that was when I was actually like a realization to take a step back from my career I didn't want to spend 14 hours a day by myself inside you know, not talking to people, not working with animals, not being outside. And that was realizing you can also take a step back too. And like, I actually like my job better before. So I have gone back to what I did before. Obviously, climate change, Finn, is, or at least it should be, right? A big concern for people. We hope it is. And as triathletes, we have certainly been seeing effects of climate change through the years on things as simple as like weather weather patterns causing havoc around races, right? Um, But we'd love to talk to you about the ocean specifically and how that kind of plays into it. Open water is obviously a concern for triathletes for sure. So how has the ocean specifically been changing due to climate change and what can we kind of expect to be seeing more of in the future if we, if we don't do more to reverse this? Um, again, great question. Yeah, no, I think it's really cool. And I guess a, a lovely part of the audience that you guys have as well is, is sometimes when you are talking to people about climate change, or or even kind of different marine science issues, it, it can feel very removed, whereas you're in it, <laughs> you are literally swimming in it. So um, I guess some of the ones that we're seeing even in Ireland specifically, but in fairness, we're, you know, Atlantic, we're, we're probably seeing it on both sides of the coast is um, uh, this summer, we were seeing a lot of species that are like really far out of their range. So uh, triggerfish are kind of like a species you would see in warmer waters like Spain and stuff like that. You'd see them in the very south of Ireland, but we're seeing them start to move further up, um, I guess, as global warming is warming the ocean and then another really odd one in the other direction is we in the last six months in Ireland and Scotland have been seeing walruses 
which is like Arctic species, what are they doing here? And again, that's um, kind of thinning ice and the weirdness of their seasonal, their seasons being changed is bringing them further south. So um, species change is a big, or kind of movement is a big one that's not talked about that much. So we'd be really reliant on like salmon for sport fishing, stuff like that. And they'll start to move further north if our water gets too warm. So that's kind of a big deal, even just economically and stuff as well. Um, and then I guess more specifically, say for swimmers and triathletes, it'll be um, obviously depending on where you are in the world. It's just going to be like kind of what you mentioned, like more more weird stuff, more strange weather patterns. Um, one of the things that we did like a little bit this year, which is obviously bad, is that the water was warmer for longer, which bad for the animals kind of nice for us you could stay out of the wetsuit a little bit longer um but also things maybe like uh you'll see blooms in play like algal blooms in places where they should be stuff like that um so i think i think the main thing you're going to notice is weather and then again for us on the kind of the the eastern side of the atlantic the gulf stream is a big part of what gives us a temperate climate and the more um kind of ocean temperatures change and climate change changes um we're seeing a change in the movement of the Gulf Stream. So that could actually give us not what everyone would imagine global warming, the weather's going to get nicer. We're going to get more stream weather events and colder water. Bit grim, a little bit grim. Extreme weather events. I'm thinking about Ironman California, uh, you know, a month ago when it was canceled the morning of because of a, gr oh. a huge storm that rolled through Sacramento, dropped like incredible amount of rain and they trees down, they couldn't have the race and they canceled it like 30 minutes before the start. So that's cool. kind of what you're talking about. Yeah. And even, I guess, like the, the strange thing, like, um, two of my best friends live in San Diego. And and I remember we went there um, maybe in 2019. And we were so stoked because you could, the thought that you could surf somewhere and then snowboard as well was just mind blowing. But we couldn't understand. There was like a couple of days of rain and, and we were like, oh, the waves look amazing. Can't wait to get in the water today. And they were like, no, when we get extreme weather and we get floods because it's going through the city, the water is dirty and you can't go out. So it's that going to mean less days in the water as well because there's going to be more days like that with rain and stuff. Yeah. What about travel? Um, you know, as triathletes, we are a lot of the times we're on a yeah. circuit, we're traveling internationally even. And should we be thinking about our impact as we race you know, on climate change. Oh, for sure. And that's, I think, like, I think travel when, you know, there's, there'd be like purists who are like, okay, we're going to just never travel again. And that's the most sustainable thing we can do. But I'm not in that boat. Like my, even say like my husband is Dutch. So our family are a flight away. You know, it's not like I can just say we're never going to travel again. And I also, same as you guys traveling for triathlons, like I do want to travel to places to surf or snowboard or whatever. Um, I think there's a couple of ways you can look at it. And I did a little experiment on it when I was going for a job over in London. So where I would normally fly. Um, and instead of flying, I took a sail and rail ticket which I wonder is that maybe something you guys would also have in the States. I don't know, but it's, um, it sounds like super old fashioned, but it's basically like this one epic paper ticket where you can literally hop on a train on one side of the country, get to the other side of the country, take a ferry and then take another train. Um, and just the impact of that kind of travel is so much lower. Um, but a simpler one even, and obviously it's kind of hard advice to give right now because of COVID, but like if, for example, you were in a bubble with like a couple of your friends that you train with for the triathlon, you know, can you choose to travel in a car together or, you know, if you're comfortable doing so, is there a train to where your race is going to be? 
um, those are great ways to minimize the impact of it. Um, and then I guess on even say race day itself or, um, you know, in, if say if you're going for a while around the race too, um, there's things like, uh, you know, trying to mi minimize plastics. I know it's not climate specifically, but I think when you started thinking about one, you started thinking about the other as well. Um, and obviously, you know, any kind of race sports, often there can be a lot of disposables. So it's thinking about like, if you do carry things like gels and stuff, can you get the ones that come in actually the reusable packs or is it something you could make yourself? Um, and then even not just for the actual travel itself, but in general, um, one of the biggest things I noticed when I did that specific trip, the experimental trip, was realizing um, I calculated the carbon footprint if I had done it um, kind of in a normal way, eating like all the usual meat and dairy you would eat on your holidays and steaks and stuff like that, um, versus if I did like a primarily plant-based diet. And that was actually the biggest difference in the footprint, even more than airfare air travel versus something else the biggest difference was the diet so eating you know even I'm not done every I'm not perfectly vegan I still eat some fish some chicken but that was the biggest change so that was quite cool to see that you could have such control over it is the easiest thing to control really do you have like a guideline as far as like like when you're talking about meat consumption like do you use sort of like a or do you advise people with a certain guideline like you know, like how to, if they wanted to, I mean, knowing yeah. that that is a big difference for climate change, is there a way to like cut back, but you're still like getting, you know, like it's not going cold turkey, which probably is not the right yeah. expression to use. <laughs> it's a great expression to use. <laughs> no, it was a perfect one. Um, yeah, for sure. I think, um, cause I, I, I felt like I got a lot of questions post seaspiracy when everyone was terrified about whether they should eat fish or not is, um, things like meat and fish, um, in, in Europe and in the States are kind of made artificially cheap now. So if you think about treating it how your grandma would have treated it, where they didn't meet every, eat meat every day, there was maybe more lentils, more beans, more things like that. And meat was special. So not just special occasions, but maybe just a few times a week or once a week. So they were going to their local butcher who knew the farmer, you know, and I don't know how doable that is where you guys are, but like here we'd have like a, like a town butcher, and a town we don't have a fishmonger because we're not right near a fishing port but there's like a cool little truck that comes on a friday and you can buy your fish off him because then you don't have to go through all the effort of reading every label to be like oh was it grass-fed was it whatever you can just ask and that's also nice it's like nice interaction with the kind of people making your food it's yeah that would be the the easiest way i think and what about carbon offset programs do you have any experience with them or do you know much about them i know like I think when I log into the Wi-Fi at San Francisco airport, it's like, do you want to offset? And it like has a little calculator and you can be like, okay, I'll give five bucks to like whatever or whatever, you know? And I think it's a little bit more expensive than that, but it's not too terribly yeah. expensive when you look at it. But am I just throwing money into like a fire that's not really <laughs> like helping anything, right? Or are these programs like real at all to make me feel a little bit better for the flight I had to take? <laughs> I love it. This is good. Um, I think I'm going to say yes and no. So um. A great example would be like here in Ireland, we have an airline called Ryanair. Does that, I don't know if you guys have heard of it. And basically like the owner is super dodgy. Their practices are super dodgy. So when they say like, do you want to spend one euro to offset your carbon? You're like, I don't believe that's going anywhere. Versus I flew to Iceland at the start of last year, kind of pre-COVID. And like I went with Iceland Air and it was like super clear. 
we'll calculate your distance. Like I Iceland has been deforested. We will plant native trees in Iceland to offset your flight. Um, and it was more expensive. Like that was maybe like 10 euro or 20 euro or something like that. And for that one, I was like, okay, I believe that one. So I'm going to go with that. And then just on a more general basis, I think it's really good for companies, like bigger companies that are kind of being forced to do it because at least while they're fixing their practices, they're also just doing something kind of simple. Like in Ireland, there's lots of um, companies that will plant, again, native Irish woodland. Um, for the kind of way that you probably, same with the with the Wi-Fi, say when we're being guilted out on an individual basis to do it, um, I would say in, my personal choice is instead of um, paying money to a carbon offset program, I would rather invest in something like um, my, if my pension fund could be invested in green stocks, then that's how I would like to pay that money because I'm both offsetting, but I'm also planning for my future um, as opposed to, I think big companies should have to do it. And then I think for us, it should be a choice. And you've mentioned a lot of things, uh, you know, we've kind of talked specifically about triathlon, but you mentioned nutrition, the things about everyday life. And so do you have any other tips for, for everyday life for us? I mean, as athletes, like, um, I mean, I guess, you know, just anything you could, I mean, turning off the lights, does that make a difference? You know, not having the water running while you're brushing your teeth or, you know, just things like that. And like, and maybe even plastic consumption, you know, in everyday life, are there tips that you have? I think that's pretty broad, but I'm sure you have a few. No, I can think of a few. Well, I mean, the first one, which I think I didn't have a lot of faith in in my early 20s, and I have come full circle back to being like, oh, no, this is what we all need to do, is um, uh, finding out, uh, making sure you're registered to vote and then voting for the parties or people who are actually putting through climate policy and then badgering the ones that aren't. Because I think it was even since college that I've seen it's still the same 10 companies or 20 companies that do about 70% of the carbon emissions on the planet. So they can guilt you out about your flight to your triathlon. But realistically, you know, it's Shell or Exxon or Saudi Ramco that is making most of the emissions. So I'm like, vote. <laughs> then um, try to get your house um, to be powered by renewables, if that's an option where you live. So like... Um, where I live in Ireland, there's no provider who can do 100% renewables, but there's one that can do 70%. And then in Northern Ireland, there's one that can do 100%. So that's an easy one. And also a good one, whether you're renting or you own your own home. Um, and then obviously when it comes to like transport and stuff, that's the next big one. Um, obviously you got a, pe- a lot of people who can cycle. <laughs> so if it's feasible where you live, if you work in a city, you know, stuff like that, can you cycle? Um, and then like I was really lucky this year I started driving an electric car which before I wouldn't have thought was feasible like I live very rurally and um, I'm happy to say it's working <laughs> which is nice. how do you make that work when you are rural like I'm just curious about the electric cars because I live in Montana and I know a few people who have it but it is like you can't necessarily drive really far and hopefully the infrastructure I mean is that what we hope for like the voting part like vote for infrastructure that you can have charging stations and that kind of thing. Yes, exactly. So like in Ireland, they brought in a new tax on diesel fuel um, because obviously it's a dirtier fuel than petrol. Um, But then you're kind of like, but where is the money going now that you've increased the price? Is it going to increase the charger network? Um, I would say it is like I'm pretty lucky. So the car I have is quite big. So it's got a big range. It's maybe like 400 kilometers. I'm not I'm like, what is that in miles? Like 300 
20 to 50 miles, something like that. So I can drive in Ireland cross country, but that's only three and a half hours. <laughs> it's not that far. Um, I can drive for at least four, maybe five hours without needing to charge it. So that's quite a lot. So that's daily commute, even in a rural place. Um, obviously, if you're doing big cross country trip or a longer trip, you're, it's going to involve a lot of stops. I would say Ireland's network is not amazing yet, but I would know like in the Netherlands and and kind of in a lot of mainland Europe, you know, you just see nearly as many chargers as there are parking spaces. So then it's quite feasible. But um, but definitely like I think if if it's not a good option if you are somewhere rural and maybe you have to do long drives all the time, then something like a hybrid is maybe the compromise. For and sure. also, what about like the argument about? I mean, maybe this is getting too technical, but like lithium mining and um, oh no, for that's, sure, like yeah, yeah, just as bad, or just like the you know strain on the electric grid. Yeah, no, completely. So that was um, that was one of the reasons I, I was put off getting one for ages because I was like, isn't it better to just drive this old diesel van <laughs> that I have as opposed to? So the one that I have has a cobalt battery, um, and basically using blockchain, which is not something I can explain, but something I know exists, um, they can trace um, where the battery was mined and the conditions in the mine. So that's kind of specifically because I work with Volvo. So that's the how their models work. Um, and then in terms of the um, the strain on the supply, like the crazy thing is it hasn't increased our energy usage that much in our house. Like I assumed it was going to double or something like that. But when you take into account like, my husband's PlayStation and guitar amps and all of the things. It's it's really only added like a quarter of the of the same amount of power that we would already use. Um, and then obviously in terms of that drain on the grid, again, if you were using renewables, then it's it's kind of I, I think that's kind of okay as a trade-off. And um, my dad has a little windmill on his um, little piece of land. So his plan is to try and connect a charger to that. So that it would be a wind-powered car, be pretty cool. That is super cool. I know a house around us in here in New England has like um they go to the it's like hydro something uh power, and so they're like mm-hmm. using the like a little stream that runs through their yard, you know, a similar thing cool. to be able to charge everything up for their house, which is just like mind blowing to me. But Finn, That's I found awesome. it super interesting because I think a lot of people like myself probably expected like when we asked you the question tips for how to like you know be a little bit more sustainable you know, we probably expected you to be like, you know, switch to like, uh, reusable paper towels and reusable like toilet paper. And I'd be like, Oh my gosh, like the odds of me actually doing this are like very slim. Right. So that is a thing. It like popped up as one of my ads the other day. And I was like, wait, people do this. And it's like totally a thing. Then yeah, don't, I didn't, I didn't order that yet, but it sounds like you, kind of are encouraging like a collective mindset versus an individual mindset. Like, you know, there are little things we can do to certainly contribute, but it sounds like we don't need to feel guilty about like every little thing we're doing. If we're kind of keeping like a bigger picture in mind and making some like investments and, you know, voting in the leaders who are going to make that like larger sustainable change. Is that correct? Yeah, no, completely. Cause I think it was, it was kind of around the time that you know, like things like the plastic straw campaign was really big. And that is awesome. But then you're going, okay, and all these restaurants got rid of their plastic straws. But the container was still plastic. And the lid was still plastic. And the fries still came in plastic. And you're like, that's such a minuscule change that every individual is making compared to like, if your country banned single use plastic, 
then that would just be this amazing across the board. And I think a couple of countries in um, Africa have, have kind of brought in single-use plastic bans. In theory, the EU is going to bring it in the next five years. We'll see how that goes. But I definitely think it's the... Yeah, exactly. I think it's a bigger picture. It's it's individual people supporting the bigger picture. And and even you, you touched it on the word community. And I think that's a great example, even say with like the people listening to the podcast is is finding ways that you in whatever your community is, whether it's sports community or your town or something like that can work together because that voice is just so much stronger. And have you found ways like through what you've done for us, you know, as an individual to maybe approach like a company or approach like a race organization or something, you know, kind of bigger that you think, cause you know, like what's the most, the best way to be, have them be receptive. You know, um, I think that your like initial contact about it can kind of make or break whether or not a change gets implemented down the line. Right. So do you have like a best practice or anything you've learned? Like, is it best to pick up the phone and call or write a letter or, you know, how would yeah. you approach something like that to try and make change? This is going to sound terribly cynical, but it does work. <laughs> um, so no matter whether it's a race or a business or a company, like everybody has a bottom line. Um, and for most people, even small businesses that do green things, it's money. So if there is a way that the more sustainable version will save the race money, then they're going to want to hear about it. So if you were like, actually, you spend X amount on plastic water cups at aid stations or something like that. Um, but did you know that if the runners all had their own collapsible bottle, which you could brand with your race name and they could use for other events, then they could just refill from a big container and it's going to save you a couple hundred bucks per station. They'd be like, oh, that's cool. We'll do that. Whereas if you're like, hey, I've got this green initiative, they're like, I'm busy. So yeah, I think that's like, I've seen, there's a great, I can't remember the company's name in Canada. And basically what she does is she goes into restaurants and bars and stuff, it's obviously a bit different. And she like makes them greener, but with the point that she's like, okay, I'm going to fix up your kitchen and I'm going to save you $4,000 a month or $4,000 a week. And here's what it's going to be. And just by wonderful coincidence, it's going to be greener. So like teaching them to compost so that they don't have like, say in Ireland, for example, the compost bins are free. So then you've reduced the money that they spent on the black bin and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'd say that would be the best way, because I'm thinking like when you would see an event, what would you think? What stands out to you most as like, oh, that could be greener for want of a better word? That's, I mean, that is, yeah, he's trying to say, I mean, that's a great, great um, way to do it where you're trying to save them money. What about we, you know, about a year ago, we talked to a couple athletes who were getting into local politics. Like, do you have, cool. um, you know, recommendations if someone decided that they wanted to, you know, to take that approach? Like they were like, okay, there's no one running who has these initiatives that I think, so maybe I'm that person. Ooh, that's really cool. Um, well, so funny enough, um, the, the vice captain of my surf club in college <laughs> is now um, in politics in the county where he lives. And we're all like, oh, that's epic. I think um, I think before, like unless you came from like a super political family and you had connections and stuff like that, it probably seemed like such a difficult world to break into. Whereas I think now things like social media do make it all a bit more egalitarian. So I would definitely say if someone is thinking about doing that it's just getting really clear on why and then finding a way for as many people to hear your idea as possible so like in Ireland there was a really annoying thing in our last general election 
where like I, I don't know do you do the same thing in the states would all the candidates have like um like a big plastic sign with their face on it yes well maybe not their yeah. face but there's a lot of stuff oh. yeah. <laughs> maybe their name yeah. and I don't their face I do not oh, know why oh my gosh that is wild I feel like that is yeah. I mean maybe some that's people you don't want to see no, that's mean yeah. I shouldn't say and that not, and not when it's like five foot high as well just their head um so I'd be working on the pier and after a storm I would see all of their faces floating in the water and I'm like oh, why so much plastic per candidate per uh per election I think it's something like 40,000 euro which is maybe 50 60,000 dollars just for all the plastic signs they make um so in my head I was like imagine if you were the young person who decided to go up for office and you made the big change to say like I refuse to do plastic signs you'd get loads of press for it you could do a social media campaign instead I think that would be really cool but yeah it is definitely a hard one to get into speaking of social media do you have any favorite voices that you follow on social media that might help people diversify their feeds away from kind of maybe like the most popular echo chamber type of voices that people you know hear something um, a little bit more diverse. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm trying to get this like, this is when you're like, you oh my spot. God, Sorry, I know. Now I'm like, I'm like, I'm trying to remember people's social media handles. And um, there's a girl called, um, her handle is brown girl green. I think there's an underscore in there somewhere, but if you put in those, um, and I really liked, she was speaking at, um, cop 26 in Glasgow and she just gave such a different view of it than what we saw in the media. She was talking about like sessions where she was supposed to, she'd be quite young, you know, she was talking about sessions where she was supposed to talk. She was being stopped at the door by security, you know, which big company are you from or not, you know, stuff like that. So um, I thought that was really fascinating. Um, and I like the content she makes. I am like blanking on anything else. Um, are there any organizations just, like that you oh, would yeah. like to follow, like that just give, you know, good, clear tips for, for people who want to, you know, work toward a more sustainable existence? Yeah. Okay. No, that, yeah, for sure. So um, I guess I work with the Irish whale and dolphin group. So if people are interested in mammals, um, they also make a lot of like, say, if anybody is listening is also a teacher or something like that, they make a lot of great educational resources that are free um, for schools and for kids and stuff. Um, obviously a lot of the ones I'm going to suggest are Irish because that's just where I am. Um, if you want to see beautiful seals get rescued and rehabbed, um, it's the seal sanctuary. But, um, what I would nearly say for, obviously, cause you've got a diverse listenership, I would say pick a thing that you're interested in and then find an organization that's appropriate to that. So for an example here, like I live in a community of surfers, so they're really interested in water quality because they don't want to get sick. So um, Surfers Against Sewage is a great kind of international group. Obviously, over in the States, you guys have like Surfrider Foundation. They would look at similar things or um, yeah, there's there's a lot of different ones. A friend of mine um, has a, a charity called um, Liquid Therapy, and that would be more to do with like inclusion in the water. So people who have um, maybe um, disabilities or who are on the spectrum, um, they find ways to make the water more accessible to them. Very cool. And earlier we mentioned your bakery and you brought up your gluten-free cookbook, which um, we definitely will link to that in our show notes. I think it's called Finn's World. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the cookbook. It was supposed to be called Oh Bollocks, I'm a Celiac. And then apparently someone in the publisher didn't like the word bollocks. 
Um, but I mean, a lot of triathletes are also gluten free, and I'm, I know we've had athletes, professional athletes, on past who are celiac mm-hmm. as well. So, do you have any? Can you share? We put you on the spot here again, but like a favorite recipe that might be good for pre race or even like a post race treat. I mean, can it be done? A good post race yeah. gluten free cookie. I would eat it pre race, but post race as well. Yes, <laughs> yes, for sure. Um, so two, one which will be less popular than the other. So. Have you guys read Born to Run? I feel like everyone who does any kind yes. of running has read Born to Run. So that that goopy mix <laughs> that he talks about, the chia seeds, the lime and the honey, I do that for running. I do. It's like swallowing frog spawn. He, he talked about it like it was nice. It definitely isn't. But I, I would I would rather have that than a gel for sure. I find, I find, I don't know you guys, I feel like my mouth always feels super dry after a gel. So I prefer that to a gel. And then on my website, so that's saltwaterstories.me, I have a, quite a few recipes. And I think there is like a pecan cookie recipe on there that would definitely be a good post-race treat that's not too bold, for sure. Just good carbs, a little bit of fat. I was looking at the recipes that I think you also have a good carrot cake recipe. My boyfriend really likes carrot <laughs> cake. So I was like, maybe I'll try this and tell him it's like, not even tell him it's like gluten-free and then see like how it goes over. Right. Cause that'll That's be the, the, the ultimate test. Yeah. Yeah. You do, you do the like gorilla little gluten-free testing where you just don't tell them. And then you're like watching them eat it and you're like, yeah. you like it, don't you? And they're like, yeah, and you're like, ah, it's gluten-free. <laughs> And Finn, Ironman Ireland is in Cork. I think it's in August in 2022. And the average water temperature there is 59 degrees. Um, you are a partner with Orca Wetsuits, as are as is the Iron Women podcast. So do you have a favorite Orca Wetsuit or any of the accessories that might be good for the triathletes who are signed up for Ironman Cork to be thinking about as they are getting ready for that swim? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so remind me, what season is that swim? When is that swim? It'll be August. I think it's mid-August. Okay, cool. I really like, I just got the um, the headband. I love it. It's kind of gives you some really fabulous 80s hair. But I think that that's really nice when the water is, even just for training and stuff, just when the water is a little bit warmer, but you're still kind of getting that protection from your ears because um, pretty much every swimmer and surfer up where I live, thanks to the howling gales of the uh, Eastern Atlantic, we all have surfer's ear. We all have that like bony growth in our ear. So I find just the headband when I would normally swim without a cap is really nice for just covering the ears. Yeah. So instead of a full neoprene cap, if someone doesn't like that, yeah. like going around their chin, you could just do yeah, a headband and exactly. you cover your ears. But I mean, that would be good because I'm not a big fan of the neoprene cap, but you could totally do that yeah, with the headband yeah. and then put your race cap over it. I'm sure that would. Exactly. It just kind of keeps your ears plugged. And then even for say if you're training in the winter and if you do any of the kind of icy dips for you know sore muscles or to get rid of doms I'll wear it for that as well because I'm not really getting in for a swim so there's no point to wear a cap or again to wear the neoprene cap so I just put that to we got really obsessed about our ears when we reached our 30s and we're like what did I do in my 20s why didn't I wear earplugs I had no idea that was a thing for for surfers like I didn't know yeah and it's more from the wind than the than the than the actual water temperature as well, which is blows my mind. Um, you see, yeah. So, so that's definitely a personal favorite at the minute. They also have the new the the hydro booties um, that have the kind of split toe, and again, they're just really nice to swim because they have a little bit of a grip on the bottom. So, if you're like, if you have say like a slightly slippery entry into the water, it's just nice to not go flying at start. And especially at the start of a race. Yeah. Um, do you, what about recommendations just if someone is traveling to Ireland for the race? 
do you, I mean, I don't know if, if you like specifically in that area, but is, should they go to the coast? Should they plan a surf trip? I mean, I had no idea like the surf, um, <laughs> I mean, post Ironman, some people might be able to go surfing or just like you said, <laughs> dip in the water for, for that muscle soreness or, or do you have any things that they should, you know, see while they're in Ireland? Oh, for sure. Well, if they're going to be in Cork specifically, I used to, I actually studied there for college. So I would say for their, um, for their post snacks, there's a lovely place called the English market, which is a really beautiful market in the middle of the city. And then if they are spending a little bit of time either side um, of the triathlon as well, there is another little town that's maybe like a half an hour outside of Cork city called Kinsale. And it's just really beautiful, really gorgeous, like seaside town, loads of nice little shops, loads of nice restaurants. Definitely a must see if you're down that part. And the last one is if you have the time, and again, for kind of nature lovers, there's a place called Loch Hine, that's H-Y-N-E, and that's like one of Ireland's most unusual nature reserves. Again, it's in Cork. It's like our only fjord, so it's a saltwater lake, and you can kayak on it at night, and there's bioluminescence, so August would be kind of the start of that. Be pretty cool. Oh, that might be enough to like have me be yeah. checking if I can make Ireland work in my schedule this year. That sounds lovely to do for a post-race uh, little trip. But um, Finn, thank you so much for taking the time for taking what is like a huge, hard to digest topic and kind of putting it into terms that we understand and things that we can do in our everyday life and best practices to help us be better humans as we move forward here. Um, but thank you so much. We'll link to everything in the show notes too for our listeners. Awesome. Oh, thank you so much for having me guys. Haley, have you ever realized that skincare is an all season job? It really is, Alyssa. Winter can be just as harsh on my skin as the summertime sun. I rely on Zelio skincare products to get me through every season here in Montana. My favorite winter products are the body lotion, lip protection, and of course, Betwixt chamois cream. Mine too. And our Iron Women listeners can also stock up on Zelio's products for the season ahead. Use the code IRONWOMEN at teamzelios.com to get 15% off. That's right, get 15% off at teamzelios.com using code IRONWOMEN. Alyssa, I loved Finn's outlook on not striving for perfection, but kind of like consistent progress toward a better state. You know, I think that that's something we are very familiar with as part of part of training, you know, as working toward consistently being a little bit better um, versus trying to hit a home run with a certain one workout. And so as I work on my resolutions, you know, I mentioned it's early, early in the year, and I'm not someone who feels like a, the January 1st is a deadline. Um, I am, I'm going to try to work in some of these, like, you know, some of the things that she suggested and just um, being more aware of waste and the environment and thinking about the ocean and how, even though I don't live near the ocean, I'm definitely you know, my life impacts the ocean and I do like swimming in the ocean. So, um, lots to think about, you know, I, I'm really, really loved her talk about electric cars. Cause that's something I don't have an electric car, but it's something I, I would love to have in the future, you know, for, cause I don't, I think it fits my lifestyle or electric bike, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. What are the above <laughs> that kind of thing? Probably the bike would probably be better, but anyway, how do you feel about, um, you know, the new year after hear hearing from Finn? Yeah, no, I agree. I think that Finn was super inspiring to talk to because like you said, she did make it seem like achievable, I guess is the word, like within our grasp to be able to like make a, an impact and like make a difference in climate change and like the sustainability of like the lives we lead and things like that. I think 
a lot of times I go down the rabbit holes of thinking about these things and I'm like, I'm a drop in the bucket and like my decisions to, you know, buy another plastic shampoo bottle doesn't really matter, but it does matter. And that is a small change I can make. And that is like a good thing to do. Right. And I said in the intro, how I'm the one who does the grocery shopping and the meal planning and stuff. And so I'm the one that is picking up the like, you know, plastic bottles of soap, like what, you know, I don't know. I think that's something easy for me that I took away is like, I can make little changes. I just, you just need to do it. And sometimes that's like such a good analogy to training too. Like sometimes you just need to get on the bike and like start right. And like, see what happens after that. Um, and so I probably need to just get myself to like sit down and like think about two or three things that I want to change over the next six months and see how that goes. And it doesn't have to be a big thing, but, um, yeah, I really, I, I'm excited to put this one out into the world of the new year because hopefully we will inspire some of our listeners as well. Yes. And it's a very hopeful start to 2022. I know it's what we all need. And Lisa, it's been great to catch up with you again. Look forward to talking to you next week. Happy new year, Haley. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Woman is a production of Feisty Media and is edited and produced by Lindsay Glassford. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, events, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thank you to our sponsors, Noon Hydration, Zelio Skincare, Orca Sportswear, and Inside Tracker. You can find all websites and discount codes at ironwomenpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.